Thank you, Tim. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you here this morning as we revel in God's word, as we share God's word, as we receive the, the gifts that he has for us in, in Holy Communion here in just a little bit, too. Our uh, message today is based on that Old Testament lesson that Tim just built in, or just read in Genesis uh, 17. And what we're going to talk about today is a single thread, okay? A single thread that weaves through essentially every page of the Old Testament. This, what, this thread weaves through every account of history that is on those pages. It weaves through every prophecy that the Holy Spirit spoke through the men of old. This thread weaves through every victory that we read about, every defeat also, though. It weaves through every moment of faithfulness, as well as every moment of unfaithfulness in God's people. And similarly, it weaves through every moment of righteousness, as well as every moment of unrighteousness that we read about. This thread carries the answer to so many of the questions that we will often ask about the Old Testament accounts. It carries with it the answers to how we apply these accounts to ourselves, as well as to our Christian doctrine and theology. If this thread had been cut, we would have every reason to abandon God and cast him off as a false god. If this thread had failed to carry the weight that it claimed to hold, all mankind, it would be appropriate for all mankind to call Yahweh a liar. But this thread is stronger. This thread is truer than any thread, any braid, any tail woven by mankind. And this thread has withstood the test of time, the test of history. This thread has withstood the test of sin and even the test of death itself. This thread began with a promise to Adam and Eve. It was carried on through their son, Seth, and then on down through the generations to his descendant, Noah, and many after him. It was woven through his son, Shem, the generations that came from him. And where we pick up today is about 2,000 years along this thread and we find ourselves in the Middle East. What you heard from Genesis 17 just a few moments ago, in part, it started with this. When Abram was 99 years old, Yahweh appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant with you and may multiply you greatly. So that's where we're at in Genesis 17 today. Now, 24 years before this, Abram did not know Yahweh. They were strangers. 
He had no idea who God was. In fact, we're told that, that Abram's father and his whole family, including Abram, his brother, and so on, that they served other gods. Our father Abraham, our, our hero in many ways, in, in many of his accounts, he began as an idolater. He worshipped idols. He worshipped false gods, whether they were this tall or substantially taller than that, made by human hands, who couldn't speak, say, think, or do a darn thing, and yet people worshipped them as gods. That's Abram. But Yahweh spoke to Abram. He spoke to him in his unbelief and in his idolatry and gave him what is essentially an unbelievable promise. So back in Genesis 12, just a few chapters before this, we hear Yahweh speaking to Abram and he says this. He says, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Again, we're, we're about 2,000 years down this thread at this point, but this is a pivotal moment. This is a pivotal moment in the history of this thread. And there are two promises given here. Maybe you're familiar with these. Maybe you really haven't heard these before. But the two promises that are given to Abram here are these. One, that he is going to have lots of offspring. But it's important to point out that he was about 74 years old and, and he hadn't, hadn't had any children yet. We're told that his wife was barren. And yet God is giving this, again, essentially unbelievable promise that I'm going to make nations out of you. So that's the first promise. The second promise, God says, you will be a blessing. In verse 3 of chapter 12, Yahweh says it this way, in you, in you, Abraham, Avram at that time, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So again, take note, Yahweh came to Abram in his unbelief, not after he converted. See, Yahweh didn't wait for him to be worthy. Yahweh made him worthy by giving him faith. And with that faith then, he could hear and he could grasp and hold tightly to the promises that he had just been given. So then about 10 years after that, after waiting for God's promise, Abram and Sarai, his wife, essentially they lost patience with God. And they decided to have a child through a different path. Sarai, his wife, said, you know, it's not working this way, essentially, so maybe, maybe you're supposed to have a child through my servant, Hagar. So I'm going to give you her as a wife so that, you know, God can fulfill this promise. Raise your hand if you think that was a bad or a good idea. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> that, that was not the design. That was not God's intent in any way. Now they succeeded, but that was not God's design. The thread would not be woven through this child as a result of Abram's sinful efforts. Instead, the thread would be through the son of the promise that had been given to Abram in the first place. 
And so here we are today, Genesis 17, now at 99 years old, Yahweh comes to Abram again and he reminds him of his original promise and he gives him a new name as a way to remember this promise. So he changes his name in the Hebrew from Avram to Avraham and that new name, Abraham, it means father of many nations. And Yahweh states specifically that the thread will continue through a son born to Sarai, whom he now renames Sarah. And so then about a year later, we're told Isaac was born when Abraham was 100 years old. And so that same thread then continues down the line and it's woven through Isaac. And then it's woven through his son, Jacob, and then through his son, Judah, and on through the generations after that, through people like King David and King Solomon and many more after that. See, this thread, it can be traced through a single family. It can be traced through a single lineage. In fact, in the Gospels, we have two accounts of that lineage. One of them starts with Adam. And it lists out the lineage all the way down to Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. But the lineage is not the thread. The thread is not the lineage. The thread is the promise itself. The thread is the covenant. The thread is the gospel, the promise of salvation through the Messiah. And again, it was first given to Adam and Eve. Maybe you've heard this passage before. But right after Adam and Eve sinned, and the two of them and the serpent are there in the garden, God comes to them, and God approaches them about what's happened, and he speaks first to the servant, to the serpent. And he says, I will put enmity between you, serpent, devil, and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That is the establishment of this thread, the beginning of the promise, the beginning of the gospel. And again, what's stated here is that Adam and Eve's own offspring would be the one who would solve the problem of sin that they brought onto themselves and to all of mankind. See, their sin infects us. Every one of us sitting here in this space today, their sin was handed down, it infects us, and it leads to eternal death if it's not dealt with. Just 11 days ago, we, we had that reminder during our Ash Wednesday services that we came from dust and we will return to dust. That is that reminder that sin has ruined everything. And that's, those are words that actually come from there in Genesis 3 as well, after this first declaration of this gospel. And so the thread was established with them, and then it was woven down again through their generations to people like Noah and Shem, his son. And I mentioned that this thread helps us answer some of the questions that are often asked of some of these Old Testament accounts. So maybe you've heard this question, maybe you've asked the question, why didn't God just wipe out all of mankind in the flood? 
I mean, he could have done that. He could have wiped out all of mankind. He could have just started all over again. And when he started over again, he could have started with humans who were not sinful. Wouldn't that have been a lot nicer for us if we didn't have sin, you know, in the world and all? So we can ask that question, but the answer is actually very simple. If God had wiped out all of mankind, God would be a liar. Because the Messiah hadn't come yet. That offspring of Adam and Eve who would solve the problem of sin hadn't been born. So God couldn't do it that way. So he preserved Noah and his wife, three of their sons and their wives, and the thread continued through them. And then it was established again in Abraham and in his lineage. And it was renewed in Isaac and Jacob and through their descendants. And their descendants multiplied. They, they multiplied so greatly that after a few hundred years, even in slavery in Egypt, we can estimate, based on what the scriptures tell us, there were probably about a million and a half people, descendants of Abraham, living in Egypt in slavery. It's awful existence, of course. God came in and rescued them. And a million and a half people then were waiting at the edge of the Red Sea. And the armies of Pharaoh were there, ready to wipe them out. They could have died off in slavery. God multiplied them. But here they are at the edge of the Red Sea. What's going to happen? They could be confident. They should have been confident that God was going to rescue them. Because if they died off in slavery in Egypt, if they died off at the hands of the army there at the edge of the Red Sea again, God would be a liar. The thread would be broken because the Messiah hadn't come yet. So then the thread continues. And it goes on down to people like King David. We hear about the stories of David and Goliath, for example. We talked about this a few weeks ago in youth group. David and Goliath. Goliath is out there standing in front of the armies, all of the people of Israel, defying them, we're told, defying God himself. And he calls them out and he says, if you guys send me one person to battle, I'll battle any person you send to me. Goliath says, if I win, then all of you, well, you become our slaves, our prisoners of war. You're you're under us now. But if that person wins, well, then we will come and be your servants and slaves. He's defying them. And David stands up and says, you can't talk like that. And we talked about a little bit in the adult, the parents' Bible study, like, why could David say this? We don't have an account in the scriptures there that David had a vision Or they had been given a word from God saying, go out and say this to Goliath. He just stands up and goes out there and he says, you can't talk this way. Today, you're going to die. Why could he say that? Why could he be so confident of that? I'm sorry, but David and Goliath, it's not about how we typically hear about how you can face your giants, how I can face the giants of my life. That's not what it's about. David could say that confidently Because of this thread. Because if the people of Israel had been defeated by Goliath and the Philistines that day and then they had died out, God would be a liar. But that's not the case. And so Goliath and the Philistines were defeated and the thread continued on. 
And that thread ultimately then was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The one who is the son of God, but also son of man. The son of David, the son of Adam, the ones through whom this thread had been woven. He was the holy one of God. And yeah, it took, excuse me, 4,000 years from Adam and Eve for that thread to be woven all the way through a very long time. And yet in that short time of Jesus' ministry, the thread could have unraveled also. See, if Jesus had given in to the temptations of Satan, for example, God would be a liar because he wouldn't have done what he was asked to do by his father. If Jesus had done anything except go to the cross and die as the Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice to pay for our sins, the thread would entirely unravel. And again, God would be a liar. But that's not what happened. See, the thread of the gospel, it's, it's not a new concept that comes to us for the first time in the New Testament. Salvation has always been, it always will be, about faith in the Messiah, the promised Savior of God. And what I love about this idea, too, is that this thread, it didn't end even with Jesus' death and resurrection. This thread continues on. It carries all the way to when Jesus returns. We're still waiting for that. We've been waiting 2,000 years, but the thread is still there. The promise is not that we will be spared from poverty that we'll be spared from sickness or temptation in this life. This, the promise is not that we'll be spared from sin or even death itself in this life. The promise is that by faith alone, we will be spared from God's punishment. That we will be spared from God's wrath and judgment for the sin that we carry. The promise is that by grace alone, through faith alone, we will ourselves be woven into that thread. We will be woven into salvation and into the life that we will have in the new creation that will last for all eternity. That's the thread that carries through all the pages of Scripture, all the way from Adam and Eve, through all of those people, onto you, to me, as we call on God by faith and as we look forward then to the final fulfillment of all of the promises of God that we can trust. May God be glorified and praised for his faithfulness to Adam and Eve, to Noah, to Abraham, David, and may he be praised for his faithfulness to you and to me. And may we then seek to share and that faithfulness and carry this thread to all people so that they too might be woven into this body of believers. It's all in Jesus' name and it's all for his glory. Amen.